Ah, dearest Jesus, holy child, make thee a bed soft, undefiled, within my heart that it may be a quiet chamber kept for thee. Amen. A little less than a hundred years ago, a man named Robert Ripley had an idea on, on how to capitalize on, on the human fascination with things that are strange and, and unusual. And so he began to publish his Ripley's Believe It or Not cartoon series. Now Ripley was uh, not just a collector of odd facts and artifacts, he was also quite an entrepreneur and a showman. With the success of his cartoon series, he decided to, to build a museum to display all of his oddities, and he called that museum an auditorium. Well, now there are dozens of Ripley's, believe it or not, auditoriums around the world. And as you can see on display at those auditoriums are, uh, well, a lot of odd things. Many of them which uh, even defy belief. But all of them, at least according to Mr. Ripley, have been certified as absolutely true, believe it or not. So what does any of that have to do with Christmas? Well, for one thing, Christmas itself is a, a kind of a, a believe-it-or-not type of event. We believe it. We know that, that it's absolutely true, but not everyone does. And I think we can understand why that might be. There's certainly a, a lot of fascinating, fabulous claims that are made about Christmas. And I'd like to, to look at some of those claims tonight based on the uh, Christmas story, as Pastor Fenske read it, but also on uh, a letter that St. Paul wrote to a man named Titus, reading from the second chapter of, of the letter to Titus, and in the King James translation. Paul says, for the grace of God has appeared, salvation for all people, believe it or not. For those of us who, by the power of the Spirit, do believe it, Paul goes on to give us this information, teaching us, in order that denying ungodliness and worldly passions, we might live wise and righteous and holy lives in the present time, waiting for the blessed hope and appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem for himself a peculiar people who are eager to do good works. And there it is, the word that gives us our theme for tonight and really provides the direction for our message. That's peculiar. Now, 
I told you that's from the, the King James Version. If you were to look in your pew Bibles, you wouldn't find the word peculiar. You'd find something else, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Because the, the meaning of the word has changed over the centuries since the King James translation first came out. But I want to use that word tonight because I, I think it gives us a good insight into the Christmas story it's, as we consider some of the oddities associated with that story. So we're going to begin at the, at the beginning came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from, (laughs) well, that's peculiar. That decree went out from Caesar Augustus. What, What is a Roman dictator doing at the very beginning of the Christmas story? Don't tell me he had something to do with advancing God's plan of salvation. Well, believe it or not, that's exactly the case, and not just Caesar Augustus, but, but really the, the Romans in general. The Bible tells us that, that the Savior came into the world at just the right time. It doesn't tell us exactly what that meant, but most Bible scholars assume it has at least something to do with the Roman rule over all of the earth for a couple of reasons. Number one, the Messiah was sentenced to death by a Roman and was put to death the Roman means of execution which was crucifixion and that had been prophesied long ago in the Old Testament about, about the Messiah being hung on a cross on, on the tree which is what a cross was and the Romans also had something to do, they didn't know it, of course, but they had something to do with, with spreading the message of, of salvation. Their armies uh, were, were flung far and wide, and as a result, there was overall peace in the world, and so travel was much safer than it otherwise would have been. Plus, the Roman armies needed roads to travel on, and the Romans were great engineers, almost as good as Germans. And so the, there were good roads, not only for the armies, but also for Christian missionaries to travel. The Savior was born into a world that was dominated by the Romans. Every aspect of life was influenced by them, including spiritual life. Without going into a lot of detail, the Romans had 12 main gods, and you could add one or two if you wanted to. But the thing about those mythological gods is, is they were petty and petulant, violent and vindictive, lewd and lustful. They like to visit earth every once in a while, always in disguise and, and always for their own amusement to torment men and, and to violate their wives. It was into that world that the peculiar revelation about the true God was given. Strange fact number one about this God, there's only one. No others are allowed. And also, this God came to earth not to visit, but to live here. Not in disguise, not like a human, but as a human actually born here, lived here, and died here. And the strangest fact of all was why he did it. It was not 
for his amusement, but for our salvation. A God like that, compared to the pagan gods, yeah, I would say that's peculiar. Peculiar also were, were some of the other characters in the Christmas story. And, and our east window over here uh, shows that Christmas story so well you can't really see it tonight uh, unless you look at the screen. So uh, girls and boys, these windows uh, during the daytime, they're beautiful, the sun shines through them. But look at them also because they tell a lot of different stories. And one of them is the Christmas story. And uh, we're going to look at just a few panels from, uh, from that window. First looking at Mary. You know, she deserves a, a category all her own. A pregnant virgin. Not only is that peculiar... It, it really is impossible, humanly speaking. We, of course, know it's true, but we also know it's peculiar. Or how about those angels? When you read what the Bible says about them, you realize that they were strange beings indeed, fearsome creatures. And it might not be so peculiar that they were there that night or, or that they sang glory to God in the highest, but what is really weird is their audience. Shepherds? Come on, that, that might be the, the strangest thing of all. Announcing the birth of a king, the king of kings, no less, to, to coarse, crude men, who had nothing to give to him except their worship. That's peculiar. So at least in a way is, is their response to this baby. Normally when, when we see a, a cute baby, what do we want to do? We want to to hug him, to, to hold him, to kiss him. That, that's Grammy with our, uh, our now two-year-old grandson. What did the shepherds do with that baby? Did they hug him and hold him? We don't know, do we? The Bible doesn't tell us. We can be quite sure However, and though it doesn't specifically say this in Luke's gospel, that, but that they did what the wise men did, but, but which really doesn't happen for other babies, not for, for merely human babies. What did they do? They worshipped him and the one who had sent him. As they returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, even as it had been told unto them. That baby inspires the same response from us. That's why we're here tonight. And it also brings us to the, to the second peculiar thing we want to consider. First is the peculiar event that we call Christmas. But secondly, the peculiar people who are called Christians. You know, our world is becoming more and more like the world into which the Savior was born. There are many gods who are worshipped in our 
world. They reside in the entertainment world, the sports world, the business world, the, the, the political realm, and in our own sinful hearts. The thing about these modern-day gods, they are petty and petulant, vicious and vindictive, lewd and, and lustful. To them, worldly passions are, are not to be denied or, or resisted. No, they, they are to be embraced, enjoyed, indulged in. Christians are called to something different. We are called to be peculiar, to, to deny ungodliness and, and worldly passions, to say no to those things. It's hard for us to do for all kinds of reasons, not the least of which is, is we don't really want to be weird or strange. We'd much rather fit in than stand out. But God says that's not the way it works. He calls us to stand out as he calls us his peculiar people. And, and he says that we're peculiar in many ways. One of those is that we are his redeemed people. The image here is of, of buying back something that, that rightfully already belonged to an individual, kind of like paying a, a ransom. So God had created us to be his people, and the devil stole us away from him, and, and of course we cooperated fully with Satan in that. And then God got us back, paying the full price for our sin. He did it all. For us, he, he gives us salvation. He gives us salvation. He did it all for us. Hmm, that's peculiar. And as God's redeemed people, we belong to Him. We are His. And that's actually what the word peculiar used to mean. And if you look in a modern translation, that's what you'll find in Titus chapter 2, that we are God's own people, His chosen people, loved by Him and called by Him to live in a certain way, a peculiar way, a way that is eager to do good works. Remember, Christ Jesus came to give himself for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a peculiar people who are eager to do good works. Now that's one purpose, not two. Jesus didn't come here to redeem us, and then it's, it's kind of an afterthought, to, decided to purify us to make us eager to follow his will. No, the, the two go hand in hand. When he redeemed us, he at the same time purified us. And he calls upon us to live wise and righteous and godly lives 
in this present time. Well, how peculiar is that? So strange as to be almost beyond belief. But please, believe it and live it. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, it's that peculiar peace of God which surpasses our ability to understand it. May that guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.